Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on September 25th, 2023. Where does the time go? This will be the last episode of Q3 2023. Feels like not too long ago. We were loving triple-digit oil, but that time has been long gone. But who knows? Perhaps the next $100 barrel of WTI could be seen before the end of this year. If you extrapolate some of the short-term data and look at world events, I believe that this is likely to be true. But you might be listening and saying, whoa, hold on, how can you say all of that? Well, my friend, you might be new to the show or a seasoned listener, but this show is all about looking to the future, and we do that by analyzing the past. Everything can be cyclical, so we review the most revealing statistics and impactful news stories that continue to push that needle. I think it's about time we get into that content right now. First up, commodity prices. This time last week, we were looking at a $92 barrel of WTI. From there, the price went down to just below $89 on Thursday, before popping right back up to $90 before the week ended. Today, we are seeing a bit of volatility, and we're at $89.58, but this will all be a very important next 24 hours. We need to see how the price reacts to dipping below. It bounced back from $90 once already, and is back again. As a matter of fact, I wrote this script while looking at the price chart, and since I wrote those last two sentences, the price jumped back to 90.05. That is a violent movement in such a short amount of time. I believe this helps to confirm the hypothesis that $90 may be the new floor for WTI, but let's not celebrate just yet. We wouldn't want to look like a bunch of fools now, would we? Brent is moving in a very similar manner, but since last Friday, we are seeing a more aggressive than usual spread. We've seen a 3 to $3.50 spread recently, which is arguably narrower than it should be. Now we're seeing a bit of a correction to the spread as it reaches $4, but very quickly. You don't typically see tens of cents in change in just a few days between WTI and Brent, so this might take away from some of that upward pressure on WTI, but I still maintain confidence. Natural gas is downright upsetting at this point. $6 gas isn't that far in the rearview mirror, yet we are seeing gas barely increase its trajectory. It bottomed out at $2 in April and only set a max of $3 just about 10 days ago, but has otherwise been pretty steady in the 240 to 270 range. I suppose that is better than nothing, and stability is probably nice, but I want to see some crazy prices again. Crazy high, that is. At least we have some cool things going on with oil. Next up is the rig count. Last week, we saw the largest increase in months. Nine new rigs, which topped the previous record of one for almost the rest of 2023. But for each action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And this week, we see that violent reaction of 11 fewer rigs. That drop brings us to 630 total rigs in the U.S., which leaves us with 134 fewer rigs than we had this time last year. Basin by basin, the Ardmer Woodford and Granite Wash each gained a rig, and they were the only two. The Canna Woodford lost one, and the Haynesville lost two. The Permian lost five. This leaves the Permian down only 27 since last year, so perhaps the Mecca is finding some stability, though it is lower than we have seen, say, closer to post-COVID times. State by state, Wyoming and Utah are down one. New Mexico and Oklahoma are down two, and Texas is down five, consistent with the Permian decrease. 
Almost all of the rigs that were laid down were looking to find oil in horizontal wells. This could have been just a few brief projects for companies looking to temporarily boost some production given the recent increase in oil prices. Nothing too incredibly insane considering this has become the norm for the past year, though 11 fewer rigs is a bit more aggressive than usual. Keep your chin up. I think this statistic has good things coming early next year. Our last statistic to review is Thirsty Thursday, an inventory report. It is best enjoyed with the weekly cocktail recipe as I publish it on www.rarepetro.com, along with great visual aids to truly enhance your understanding. If you missed it, here's the quick and dirty. After a brief relapse into builds, the EIA was confident we would experience a 2.2 million barrel drawdown, and they were nearly right on the money as it was reported just 65,000 barrels less. Not bad, EIA. Not bad. The API started the celebrations for the 21st of September a little early, do you remember, and predicted a bit of a bigger drawdown at two and two-thirds million barrels, but ended up doubling their predicted with the actual results at a five and a quarter million barrel drawdown. As I mentioned last week, we've witnessed a pretty standard of a few weeks of draws and one week of a build before cycling through that pattern. After last week's build, it seems we are still on track though the next week could very easily be another build. Patience will be key. As far as historical levels of crude for this time period, we are well within that territory, though the general trend would put it into five-year historical lows by mid-October. Total gasoline inventories decreased 800,000 barrels after that massive 5.6 million barrel build we saw last week, which lives in the lower one-third of historically normal territory for the past five years. This is not likely to change soon, as the minimum only continues to get lower and the range widens considerably leading into the holiday season. Gasoline prices are starting to stagnate as they increase only over a cent from last week. Diesel has gotten to be five cents more expensive in the same time frame. Gasoline was going sideways for a bit, but now it looks like we are doomed to look dead down the barrel of increased costs. The most expensive gallon remains in California as they enjoy their expensive summer blends at 5792, though that should come to an end soon. Otherwise, Governor Gavin Newsom hopes to change the price increase and hope to decrease prices by installing a fuel market watchdog that is supposed to sniff out any price gouging. It is likely to, ironically, make gasoline more expensive. Mississippi continues to enjoy the cheapest national gallon at 3292. Distillates saw a slight drawdown in inventories, pulling it closer to the minimum of the five-year historical range, but the floor is about to drop out from under it to give it some more breathing room. Propane sits at record highs and, much like a cat in a tree, refuses to come down. But that brings us to the end of our statistics. Now it's time to get into some news. The first one is a bit different as we're not focusing on a country or conventional energy company, but Lego. If you didn't know, two years ago, LEGO revealed that they planned to produce plastic bricks from recycled plastic bottles rather than straight oil-based plastic. They were, quote, super excited, end quote, about making these bricks from recycled polyethylene terephthalate. Since then, they have been performing research on how it would relate to emissions, the energy involved in production, and product quality. Unfortunately, they discovered it would have a negative impact on all of these factors. According to LEGO's head of sustainability, Tim Brooks, switching from ABS to recycled PET would have to entail changes in the manufacturing process and factories, which would have meant higher carbon emissions overall. 
Now, they've pivoted to researching brick manufacturing with bio-based and recycled material, but if I had to guess, that likely won't have much of a positive effect either. They did reach a deal with a pharmaceutical company earlier this year, Novo Nordisk, also Danish, to work with a renewable firm to produce methanol from renewable energy rather than conventional plastics to build their bricks with. I hope they find some positive solution, but all of this really doesn't come off surprising to me because conventional hydrocarbons are used for manufacturing worldwide for a reason. They are cheap and they are molecularly consistent. To go out of your way to recycle old plastics and make a worse product only sounds like it would end up generating more emissions. I wish the best for LEGO, but I just hope they keep their product affordable. I was curious about this, so just as an aside, I found a data page, a project that looked at the price per part since about 2000, and everything has been mostly consistent when adjusted for inflation, or in the case of some sets, has gotten cheaper since then. I suppose this is great news for my roommate, who just started his most recent LEGO project, the Concorde Airbus, which is a scale model, of course. In more serious and professional news, Harold Hamm of Continental Resources has some words on the current administration and its regulation of the industry. This is a topic that Colorado School of Mines doctors Jennifer Miskimmons and Jim Crompton recently wrote an opinion piece on for the Colorado Sun, and I believe Ham was recently at the Colorado School of Mines speaking to current petroleum students, so suffice to say, it's a hot topic. Ham claims that the U.S. administration, at least the current one, and their policies around our energy industry are like, quote, riding a roller coaster, end quote. He said this to politicians and other execs in Oklahoma City before an energy summit. He said, quote, It's so important that we have an energy policy that's lasting and somebody can't tinker with from one administration to the next, end quote. He's been crucial of the recent administration since it took office, and for good reason. When gasoline price spiked amid the Russian-Ukraine conflict, Ham said that it was frustrating to not have the flexibility to get federal permits and more leasing to produce more, domestically, to aid in the price shocks. A great point to make when you have governments like California's claiming big oil is taking advantage of the common American through price gouging. Quote, when the federal leases were pulled off the table with this latest administration, it took a full year just to modify everybody's drilling plans, end quote, according to Ham. This just begins to scratch the surface, but it is certainly a shared sentiment across the industry. I don't think most oil companies are against the idea of working to produce cleaner and safer oil and gas. As a matter of fact, America is up there with the best, but this yo-yo action in regulations can be incredibly frustrating. It's hard to continue to meet expectations when they are just changing requirements at the drop of a hat. For example, the Biden administration okayed permitting in Alaska for the Willow Project, but just three weeks ago, I believe, announced they would be banning leasing in nearly half of the Alaskan oil reserve. Companies likely started laying the groundwork and planning for lots of these projects in the nine months they believed they would be able to execute. Imagine how frustrating and expensive it is to do all of this for the rug to just be yanked out. Consistency will be key, and slow change is what we need. But it seems the energy landscape, conventional and renewables alike, is shifting far too rapidly to achieve any stable growth. I don't know what the future entails, but I'm very excited to see how energy is managed by a new administration. Fingers crossed, I guess. But folks, that is all we have for today. If you want more content, our website is chock full of it. 
old podcasts, periodicals, and video interviews dating as far back as 2019. But hey, don't get me wrong, it's all still relevant. Lots of good stuff and a constant influx of news from some of our favorite sources. So check out our website at www.rarepetro.com. Otherwise, keep doing your best to become the best possible professional you can be. And an easy way to do that is to follow this free podcast. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. 